Our text today is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 29. I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short from now on. Let those who have wives be as though they had none. Sorry, Sharon. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no possessions. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. The present form of this world is passing away. Friends, uh, the gospel we'll hear today isn't primarily some good advice on how to improve your life. Uh, It's not primarily a good idea for you to think about and enjoy in your mental castle. But it's the declaration that a new world is already here in Jesus. This is what Jesus came proclaiming in Mark's gospel. The time has come. The kingdom of God is fulfilled. Repent and believe the gospel. The good news of Jesus isn't primarily a good idea something interesting to think about or something to wow you or titillate you mentally. It's not primarily good advice, a tip to improve your relationships at school or how to become a less of a jerk. <laughs> the gospel is the declaration that everything has already changed in Jesus. Yeah. That a new world is here and available to you today. Reality is different. Jesus is Lord. Time to make a holy shift. The Lord be with you. God, we need your grace today, not just to simply get uh, uh, feel better about ourselves or to uh, leave being impressed by how much we now know in our brains, but Lord, to actually engage our wills and our bodies in your kingdom under your lordship because everything has changed. God, help us to hear and respond to good news today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So you're here because you were looking for a church, and you found one. Welcome. Uh, we all we all have these uh, desires or experiences of looking for a church, and we evaluate if we found the right one based upon if we get those things that we're looking for. Yeah, you guys tracking with me here. So some of the things that uh, when I went to seminary, I was a youth pastor at a church on the south side of town. Went to seminary, and it. Uh, I, had been, I, I had been waiting to go to a church that didn't pay me to go there for a long time. <laughs> like, excited about all the, all the little Christian spiritual fantasies I had about what a really good church would offer me rather than the pretty good church I was at. I was in my 20s, so this is how I thought at the time. Uh, I mean, this is just kind of my, my mental. I'm not advocating this is the way you should think. I'm just <laughs> confessing this is the way I thought. So, uh, so some things I was looking for. Really good music. Right? Uh, really good preaching. Um, and then what are some other things? Oh, people look for a really good uh, children's ministry. <laughs> Oops. And, <laughs> and uh, so those are like the three things people look for, yeah? Really good music, really good preaching, really good kids' ministry. Uh, we, we found a church that would uh, kind of blow our minds every Sunday. You know, every Sunday we would leave and we'd go, God, it was so good. So good. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's like the 21st uh, Christian version of Amen. So good. So good. Uh, you know, I think others in seminary and I was there were looking for churches that would fire them up, like leave them f- like feeling better. That was less important to me. Uh, I'm much more cerebral and boring. But like some people wanted that, like, you know, the feel goodies, the Jesus tinglies, right? They wanted to, they wanted to leave with that. Uh, and some people who had kids wanted like 58 to 64 minutes of kid-free. <laughs> like just, you know what I mean? Like childcare where we could drink coffee, sit next to each other, and not have to manage our children. All these things, I think, uh, then kind of orient us or situate us into like, wh- like they, they reveal to us what we think the gospel wants to do in our lives. Right? The gospel wants to make me think more, better. Or the gospel wants to make me feel better or more. Or the gospel, or the, you know, the, the gospel is meant to simply help me manage my overcrowded, busy, overwhelmed Can you guys relate to this? No. Now, I'm not advocating for bad music or bad sermons. And parents, uh, I know what it's like to just want 58 minutes of serenity now. <laughs> but today in our readings from the Gospel of Mark and Jonah, 1 Corinthians, we're reminded that the good news of Jesus isn't primarily a good idea or good advice. It's not something to make us say, wow, or that's amazing, or that really made me think. It's not something, it's not a tip that we then tack on to our already pretty good life to make it a little better. But rather the gospel is the declaration that, that, the, that the new world is already here. That reality has changed in Jesus Christ. Reality is different. Jesus is Lord. Time to make a holy shift. Our reading today is uh, three verses long. Ellie read it for us. Paul is, uh, in this section of 1 Corinthians, he's turned his attention towards marriage and single people and relationships because there's all kinds of, there's a, there's a mess there that, that the people of Corinth are kind of making of this. And, and I won't go into the, in all the mess because for time's sake, but in this little section here, he is dealing with uh, in particular, several things that are that have changed, and he's sort of changing his posture because he's just he's just said a few verses before. This is some this is a word for me, not from the Lord, which is uh, just parenthetically. This this should at least mess with this should at least mess with our doctrine of Scripture a little bit. Here's Paul. Writing and something we say is an inspired scripture telling us it's not inspired. Yeah. Or it may not be. <laughs> Put that into your doctrinal pipe and smoke it. So Paul here is saying, uh, so he's, so then, but then he breaks, he shifts, because he's like, okay, if it's, it's okay if you're married. I'm not married. I have more time for other things if I'm not. But if you are married, it's okay. Like he's doing all this sort of like, trying to clear through the mess. And he kind of breaks here in this little section. And he says this, I mean, brothers and sisters, verse 29, the appointed time has grown short. Right? 
the present, and then he, and, he, and he mentions five things. I'll talk about those. And he says, because the present form of the world is passing away. Now, I was raised to believe that, that Paul here is saying, you know, all this really doesn't matter anyway because we're all going to burn in flames. <laughs> the, the world's going to hell in a handbasket until Jesus returns and rescues us, saves us off of the Titanic. So just, you know, don't get too concerned about how bad the food is on the Titanic at this point. Because, you know, you're going to be swept away in glory and you'll fly away. But uh, I want to suggest Paul is not saying that. We need to actually preach about this. We actually, we're going to spend, I think we're going to spend this summer and fall preaching about beginnings and endings. Creation and new creation. How we came to be here. And what's going to happen at the end of all things? We need to talk about that and proclaim that because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, I, I need, I need to hear some good news about that. Uh, so this is not saying, you know, hey, the end of time is short, so uh, feel free to not recycle and burn plastic, and and do all this other stuff. That's not, that's not what Paul's saying here. Okay, so stop burning plastic. That's not. <laughs> so, uh, but he is saying this. He's saying there are certain forms of this world that will not endure forever and so because there's this new reality that's begun in jesus don't get too attached enmeshed invested in things that won't last and he says some things alludes to some things that might uh surprise us he talks about marriage right let those who have wives be as though they had none then he says let those who mourn as though they were not mourning, as those who rejoice, as those who were not rejoicing. Now, it's, it's hard to know exactly what he's talking about here, but um, if, we take, if we take him as talking about large uh, life things, then we could say like mourning is like, like, like death and rejoicing is like either marriage or birth, like big things, like big life things, right? Then, then those who have possessions as though they had none, and those who are dealing with the world as though they didn't have dealing with the world. So that's like possessions and like your, your job, your vocation, what you do in the world. So Paul, Paul is telling uh, people in Corinth, in a, in a city where social status and social norms are really important, so much so that he begins a letter by saying, you're arguing about which teacher is yours, Paul or Apollos or Peter, and I... You're, you're missing it. You want the social status of having a great teacher. But you're missing it. You're missing it, right? So here Paul is saying all these, all these social forms and norms that you want to orient your life in, they are passing away because Jesus is Lord. Something new has already happened. And so things like marriage, things like death, things like birth, things like... Uh, what we own, things like what we do with our time, those things all shift under the reality that Jesus is Lord. So marriage doesn't last forever. I love you a lot. But one day we won't be married anymore. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm not saying, I'm not getting, I'm, this isn't how I'm announcing we're not, we're, <laughs> I'm just saying like at some point, at some point, like, you know, Mormons believe you're married, like, for eternity. Um, other Christians, like us, we don't. <laughs> Jesus says that in the new creation, we're neither married nor given in marriage. So this is a really good form that some people are called into. 
marriage. But don't get so obsessed and wrapped. Don't focus so much on the family that you miss that Jesus is Lord. <laughs> is what Paul's saying here, to put it maybe a little more succinctly. <laughs> Don't miss that Jesus is Lord. That everything shifts. That marriage then, that marriage then is not something to like hold on to and ooh, oh, my precious. But you, it's, it's, you, you, you can hold it like this. Because Jesus is Lord, there's a new reality, there's a new shift. Births and deaths are different, right? Because there's being born agains that are important as well. And because death isn't final, but people are sleeping and they will raise in the last day. Possessions don't possess us. We aren't the sum of what we possess. But rather, we are stewards of a large, abundant providence of grace that God has given us to share with others. And our job isn't something that arranges and socially we can maneuver in the world based upon how much power and status we have, but our jobs are expressions of God's agency and authority in us, whatever we're called to, whether it be an accountant or a stay-at-home dad or a student. Friends, the good news today is that everything has changed because Jesus is Lord. Your marriage, your birth, the births that are happening, the births that will happen, death, your job, what you own, everything has changed because Jesus is Lord. And we know this because in verse 32, which isn't a part of our lectionary reading, but I'm going to mention it anyway, don't tell the bishop, is that <laughs> Paul wants to free us from our anxieties. I want to free you from your anxieties is what he says. So what he's, he isn't saying marriage isn't important. What you do isn't important. When he says, those of you who have a wife act as though you don't have one, it doesn't mean that I can become a junkie husband. Or I can justify being a junkie husband now because Paul said so, right? That, that's the ultimate Bible juke. Yeah. Well, First Corinthians seven twenty nine. So Sharon says I don't have to do the dishes. You know, like like that's the ultimate awful husband Bible juke. Yeah. He's what he's saying is he's saying when when we draw our life and significance and meaning from forms that won't endure, we will have anxiety, and we will not live as though Jesus is Lord. We'll live as though my iPhone that's slowing down and I have to get fixed in two days and I can't think straight until it gets fixed is Lord. Or where am I going to get the next paycheck from? Because the jobs I have are all ridiculously entrepreneurial and speculative and nothing is given. And I don't know, I've got to, like, I'm giving, I'm I'm like Googling giving plasma now. Like, (laughs) like, like. If that form is all there is, if Jesus isn't Lord, if everything hasn't already changed, then I have to attach all my meaning and worth to these things. So, so the Christian life then, friends, is not, it's not a freedom uh, from desire. That's, that would be the Buddhist life. And there's a lot of commendable things about the Buddhist life. Right? I've learned a lot from Buddhists. But Jesus... And Paul isn't offering us freedom from desire as though we can become like Yoda. But it's freedom of desire. So we can give our desire to the things that last. Mm -hmm. To love, to the kingdom of God, and to Jesus. So that we can have as many possessions as we need or not. So that we can have marriage or not. So that we can have births or not. We can have deaths, and, it, and, and it's, we don't lose hope, friends. So we are free because we submit 
our desires to the Lordship of Christ. And he orders and shapes and forms them in this new reality. Today we proclaim the gospel, that Jesus is Lord. Everything has already changed. And that's not some good advice. I don't have good advice for your marriage today. You probably could use it. I know I could. I don't have it. This isn't a good idea, right? Something to think about and put into your little mental castle, right? And, and just hole up there when things get rough. This is an announcement, a declaration. Everything has changed. Time to wake up. Make a holy shift. Let's go. Let's go. I got a friend. Every time I text him some good news, he texts me back, let's go! And it's like a bunch of O's together. Like, that's the gospel. So we respond in service to the good news every week, friends. I know, I know maybe it gets pedantic or it gets rote, but we always want to inject this with vision and life that when we hear good news, Jesus is Lord, everything has already changed. That, that it's not just something to go, hmm, so good so good no we want we want to actually offer our bodies as a living sacrifice in view of that mercy so every week we'll come back to a prayer where we take real tangible things of our life and we confess them to each other and to god and we offer them to the lord every week we come to the table and there's like physical things we do this we do this and we're taking and we're receiving and we're acting we're engaging our bodies We do this in our discipleship groups. We discern, we just did this uh, right before we met, like with some guys that we're discipling in this church. Like, what's this bad news that I'm living? And it's right in my actual life. So friends, what is making you anxious today? That's, a, that's a, um, an indicator that your desire is enmeshed or attached in an unhealthy way to something that's passing away. Everything has changed. Where, where, where are you making, what's making you anxious today? So this, for me, for the fourth day in a row, so I'm going to need some coffee to talk about this. <laughs> for the fourth day in a row, I woke up wide awake at 3.30. And I've uh, been going to bed early. Uh, been staying away from amphetamines after three. No, I've just been, I've been like not drinking coffee after three. Like I've been staying away from any stimulant, any, uh, anything like that. Um, I, I typically stay away from amphetamines before three as well. Uh, just, just for the record, just for the record. Uh, no, so like, uh, um, and I have been waking up at 3.30. And when I wake up at 3.30, you know, there's some of you and you know who you are and God bless you. No judgment. But some of you wake up at 3.30 and you go, praise God. He, he woke me up to pray and here I am. Lord, your servant's listening. And uh, that may be you. That is not me. I wake up at 3.30 and I'm like, you will not win, Satan. Like there's like this deep guttural thing in me that's like, ah, my sleep, my precious. So, um, so anyway, I, so the last four mornings have gone like this. I wake up at 3.30. I lay in bed till 4.30. Uh, I get out of bed at 4.30. I go downstairs. I sit on the couch. I uh, check my email, check Twitter, uh, try to start reading, lay down at like 5.45, 6 o'clock, sleep till 6.20 and get up for the day. Yeah. That happened again this morning. And, and like uh, this morning I had – so Sunday mornings are kind of busy in our family. We've got a meeting at 9 o'clock. We've got to leave at 
I've got a really tight schedule. I wanted to work another hour on this sermon this morning. But like at 7.30, I fell asleep for like an hour this morning on the couch, 7.30. Like I hear Sharon come down. She's grinding coffee beans. And immediately, friends, immediately, uh, inside, tons of anxiety. Like why does my life suck worse than everybody else's life (laughs) in the universe? (laughs) Like immediately inside, right? So like I – you know, I don't know. If you, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you have to be awake, like if a fire alarm goes off or your cat gets set on fire or something, like you've got to wake up and you got to deal with it. And, and I, like I felt like that at 7.30 this morning. So I'm like leaning over our kitchen island, like rehearsing how awful my life is emotionally. I'm, really, I'm pretty good at this. There's only a few things I'm really good at in my life, and this is one of them. Randy, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. So I'm like stoking the fires of self-pity. And there's a raging fire happening inside. And uh, I'm t- I just tell Sharon, Sharon, I don't know how I'm going to get through today. I don't know how I'm going to get through today. Um, well, Sharon is a wonderful wife. Even though I'm to live as though I don't have her, I will still say <laughs> she's a wonderful wife. And she, we're sitting at our table. Um, our son is reading with his headphones on, isn't responding to us. Our daughter is pretending and playing like she always does. Like nobody's listening. Uh, like I'm grouchy and tired. So I'm like, come to the table and pray. And all the kids come over. And Sharon's like, we should have some time of giving thanks, some gratitudes. So she started, we do this. We, we name five things we're grateful for. Uh, Deacon goes, she goes, and, and she said to me, okay, it's your turn. And I said, uh, I jokingly said, I get to go to sleep tonight. Um, and I got the kind of the, the wife side eye kind of like grow up and be a man like stop doing this to yourself and our family um, I don't know if that's what you're trying to communicate but that's how I internalized it that's my truth okay um, and so anyway there was, there was this moment I forget what you said Sharon but you said something like you can share five gratefuls if you want to I'm telling you friends uh it was just like the Lord revealed to me in my almost week-long pity party about my sleep and how I'm feeling that everything has changed in Jesus. There's no, there's no minimum viable sleep I need to be grateful. Right? I mean, the form of sleep is passing away, friends. Jesus has risen from the dead. Everything has already changed. So I just started naming things I was thankful for. I wasn't making eye contact yet because I was still a little grouchy. But I just started naming these things I was grateful for. And as I did that, like this world opened up to me of, of the good news, of the gospel, that Jesus is Lord, even in the midst of my craptastic sleep. And it was pretty bad. Friends, where, where, where are you anxious today? Where do you need to just release your death grip on all the things that are passing away so that you can receive the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, believe the good news. Because if we just give a little bit, like Jonah, he gave a little bit. God, God wanted him to go preach repentance. He walked, I don't know, a quarter into the city, said, y'all are gonna die in 40 days left and everybody breaks out repentance. like he doesn't even need like a really i wasn't even really into giving gratefuls i was doing it so i didn't embarrass myself in front of my children but god met me there that's all he needs 
So let's respond today, friends. Let's respond today. And uh, we, we put this little prayer in here so you don't, have to, you don't have to come up with a great prayer. You don't have to. It's not about. So God isn't like waiting for you to rub the prayer lamp just right. He is not like Christina Aguilera. He does not need you to rub him the right way to get him to do things for you. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's no pressure in our prayers because God is like Jesus. He's waiting to give you things. So, we have I mentioned I haven't got a lot of sleep in the last <laughs> Sleep is important for more than one reason. Lord, thank you for that your kingdom is available to us right here, right now. I submit blank to you. May your gospel fill me or us with new life. Lord, in your mercy, amen. So this could be something personally you're dealing with or something you want to pray on behalf of the world that we need a new reality, a new imagination to handle. Not get too, uh, not not become too indebted or connected or identified with things that are passing away. So let's spend some time in prayer, friends. And then I'll close this after a bit.